Hello, my friends. How are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition podcast, which is brought to you by Lightsaber Chopsticks. With Lightsaber Chopsticks, you can now cook, cut, and eat your favorite Asian dishes all at the same time. Obey all the warning labels. Some conditions apply. Adult supervision required. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon, or on occasion, a sermon from another Well Sister Church. Today's meditation comes to us from Grace Lutheran in Sioux City, Iowa, and is titled, The Utterly Amazing Spirit, and is based on Acts chapter 2. Now let's join Pastor Allard for today's meditation. As promised, first lesson, Acts chapter 2, our lesson for today. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So far the word. The Holy Spirit is hard at work. And we're going to see why the Holy Spirit's work, as those Jews who came from all over the Roman Empire said, we're going to see why the Holy Spirit's work is utterly amazing. And we are going to see him, of course, of course, in action amongst the disciples on Pentecost 
And we're going to see that he is still at work today. Now, on the day, the exact day that the Israelites were celebrating a national holiday, a holy day, the English still conveys that meaning, right? As they were celebrating by bringing the first fruits of their grain harvest to the Lord, there is on that day the harvesting of the first souls into the New Testament Christian church. Coincidence? Fulfillment. Fulfillment is what we are seeing. 3,000 people brought to faith in one day. The harvest had begun. And for us, the harvest continues. We, at one time, in fact, we were part of that harvest. No matter what sins we dragged into the church with us. I don't care if you were a baby when you were baptized. I don't care if you were brought in. And at some point you were going through a Bible information class as an adult. And you suddenly understood who the true God is. Whenever that was. Whatever sins we brought in with us. The Holy Spirit. Our God claimed us as his own. The work that we recently witnessed. Jesus doing, especially we just talked about in the Lent season and the Easter season, that work of Jesus Christ was for us. That was our life, the perfect life that he lived that we couldn't. That was our death that he died. And that is our home in heaven that he is preparing, and it's the very same grave that he has defeated for each one of us. And that is our place. That is the inheritance that God has placed in our lap. And God, Holy Spirit, has convinced us that it is real, because it is. Now we, we at one time were harvested. But now that the Holy Spirit has brought us to faith, our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, has changed. Now I'm going to call you this, because this is what you are. Dear fellow harvesters, you are now part of the work, the most important mission on the planet and in all of human history. Now he is sending out us out into the harvest field and be careful because here's the temptation. You speaking to another person about Jesus Christ, it feels mundane, it might. It may even feel trivial or boring to some. But there is no greater mission on earth. And the Holy Spirit has claimed you for it. We see in our lesson the harvest begins. We have each been caught up in it. And now we as workers in the harvest field are looking for that next stock to harvest. The harvest continues. Keeps right on going. And that is right about the point in a sermon like this where we tend to lose the track. And what I mean is when we start talking about the working in the mission field part. Working in mission fields. We might say that whole thing, that mission you just described, Pastor, that sounds glorious. But that's for people like, that's for like a pastor. That's for somebody who has, who's been trained in it. That that's for people, at the very least, who have a greater measure of special gifts 
But no. The Holy Spirit is still at work. And the second thing that these lessons about the coming of the Holy Spirit tell us is that it's for everybody. Did you hear? When Peter starts to speak about and quote the prophet Joel, what he says, he begins his impromptu sermon. I don't think he was necessarily personally ready for it. God made him ready. But when he begins this sermon in front of these people, he quotes from the prophet Joel. And there, almost right from the beginning, the prophet Joel says that the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all. This point in this fact was not lost on Peter. And by God, Holy Spirit, he was bringing it to the people to never forget it, including us sitting here today. There, God said he would pour out the Spirit on all. Now, don't misunderstand this. That does not mean that the Holy Spirit wasn't doing his work in the Old Testament. He was very actively doing his work in the Old Testament. In fact, you could go back to creation and the Spirit was hovering over the deep, whatever that was. But now... We have to recognize this was the shift. In those days, the Holy Spirit was doing his work. He was working amongst believers. But it was just two. One. People on earth. I would grant you there were some exceptions. There were even Egyptians who came up with the Jews, the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt and were going to the promised land. But for the most part, we understand what is true. The Holy Spirit was working amongst one nation on the entire planet. But beginning here, on this day in Jerusalem, just as it was foretold by the prophet Joel, that changed. Now, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people. Siouxlanders, not just Jews. Do you see the difference? And how much greater it is in that sense than what the Holy Spirit used to do. You believe in Jesus as God? Do you believe in Jesus as your rescuer? Then you've got the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit alters lives. Simply knowing that the Holy Spirit has been given to you, and obviously knowing who God Holy Spirit is, simply knowing that He has been given to you means... You are one of the harvesters in God's field. But if you hear that and you're saying, I am not, I just cannot possibly be that sure that even I am part of this work of God. If you have that kind of doubt, then don't look any further than these verses in our lesson. Who did the talking? For the disciples. Who? Uh, a guy who caught... Fish for a living. You understand what I'm doing here. I'm not insulting Peter. But a guy who caught fish for a living and his conversational skills were developed while sitting in a boat with his brother, with James and John sometimes, who were their business partners. How much would that develop your conversational, much less your preaching skills for this fisherman? And don't forget this, the recent event in Peter's spiritual life, the same Peter who said, Lord, even if all these other schmucks, these other apostles soon to be, will leave you and abandon you, I will not abandon you, Jesus. And then he denied that he even knew 
who that guy Jesus even was. You know I'm not trying to insult Peter. You understand why I'm saying this. Look at him here. Here Peter had the opportunity to do what came naturally, to run away and abandon Jesus, or to say something stupid and put his foot in his mouth. But look at what the Holy Spirit enabled this imperfect man to do. How many people were there that day gathered in Jerusalem, if not in the crowd that stopped to listen, the thousands milling about and passing by the crowd as Peter stood up with the eleven. And don't forget that at first, and maybe throughout, a number of those people were heckling Peter and saying, these guys are drunk, listen to them babbling. I have not been heckled while I preach a sermon. Peter was. But instead of running and hiding, instead of saying there's a better time to do this, this preaching thing and I don't really want to acknowledge Jesus right now, instead, he stands up in front of thousands telling them about their sin and Jesus. God the Holy Spirit is able to do that. He is utterly amazing. The Spirit gave this fisherman apostle courage that might have even surprised even Peter. But 3,000 people, pastor, 3,000 people converted to Christianity on one day. Why doesn't the Holy Spirit do that today? Well, my quick response is, who say, says he doesn't? We just want it to be in our neck of the woods, and understandably so. But if you pay attention to mission stories throughout the world, who says that God isn't still doing this, right? But back to the point, though. Why doesn't the Holy Spirit do that quick, visible work right here in our congregation and here in Siouxland? That doesn't seem to be the case. No speaking of foreign languages that you never learned. Unless anybody wants to raise their hand and say they spontaneously started speaking a foreign language, go ahead. I think anybody who has has go through the hard work of memorizing new words, right? Getting to know those languages. That's the work. That's the way. Nothing fast. We don't see rushing wind or hear that. We don't see tongues of fire moving like a living thing and splitting and resting above people's heads. And that is frustrating to us. We want God the Holy Spirit to work quickly, visibly. And when that doesn't happen, we are tempted. Maybe God the Holy Spirit has given up here, today, Maybe the word, I don't know, maybe the, path, the, the sacraments, that they're just not enough anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's up to us now, and God is telling us, you do your thing. I'll leave it up to you. And Christians, sometimes then, they get desperate. And they start to throw out pieces. They start to throw away pieces of the word and of the sacraments and their full benefit. And they try all kinds of different things, including, for example, emotional things. 
The kind of things that don't engage emotions, but manipulate emotions. And why do this? Why manipulate emotions? Because it's easier to ignore teaching when your emotions are high. And when you're on an emotional high, it's not just the teachings of Christ. You're willing to do a lot of different things when your emotions are very high that you wouldn't otherwise do. This is our sinful nature. I will always say emotions are a gift of God. He gave them to us, but we cannot trust them. Why manipulate emotion? Because people want to see the Holy Spirit now. They want to see him work in a fast, visible way. I do too. And I might guess that you may also. Jesus, forgive us for those times that we have fallen into that way of thinking. Remember the Holy Spirit's mission. I could say main mission, but that'd be misleading. His only mission is to testify about a rescuer. That's it. And to cause people then to hear that message about the Savior and then to get it and actually believe the things that Jesus did. That he and the things and the work he did are real. And he does that through the plain word of God. The word. That same word that tells you that you are saved by the blood. By the actual blood of a God-man. That word that tells you that Christ the corpse rose to become Christ the King of Kings and that now literally all is under his control, not just as a God, but as a human being. That same word that tells you that someday he will come back in a world-ending way, and until he does, he gives you the promise. He drops the promise that says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I will get you there to that place of perfection. That message is anything but plain. The Holy Spirit was at work on that day, and he is at work today. You may not have fire on your head, or something that looks like it. You may, may, may not be able to speak a foreign language spontaneously, but the Holy Spirit is still at work in you. But there's not 3,000 people in, sitting in these pews or gathered around this church building. The Holy Spirit is still at work in you. Resist the temptation that somehow God the Holy Spirit has become weaker or that he's gone. No. Whether times are easy or difficult, whether we have dark or bright and shining days for the Christian church on earth in this neck of the woods. You reaching out to that one person at work and telling them about Jesus Christ. How is that any less of a miracle than what happened on the day of Pentecost? That spirit who has made you a harvester, dear fellow harvesters, he desires to work with you. Not use you as a tool, no. He desires to work with you. So empowered by him, let's continue Pentecost, shall we? Until the day the harvest is done. Amen.
We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live-streamed at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. You can also search for St. Mark Bemidji on YouTube to find our channel. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again, www.stmarkbemidji.org. All scripture readings are taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 2011, and are used by permission from Zondervan. Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day. salvation free lasting to eternity